Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Before My Time with Gelsey Laurie. That's me, your host, and today we are joined, as always, with our friend, producer, and co-host Matt Kelly to talk about Alice Cooper. Man, I think you're gonna like it. I think you're gonna feel you belong. To entertain you, we'll sing your songs for good times, the best times. You can't go wrong. We'll two step, a new step, it won't be long. When the Dixieland's are playing, soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Well, you know what, Gelsey? No more Mr. Nice Guy Matt Kelly over here. It's nope. time to get mean. School's out, baby. Uh, we're actually recording this episode uh, just in time for the 50-year anniversary of Billion Dollar Baby, which was not the first Alice Cooper record, but his biggest record. That's the one that had no more Mr. Nice Guy on it. It was his biggest single. But you and I are just two shock rock loving. Love Alice it. Cooper fans uh, and talk about like this is a guy who both is all over the the Days and Confuse soundtrack which stay tuned we will definitely do an episode just about the music from Days we and Confuse one of these definitely days. need to do that but oh my god that movie's 1976 70 some something like that he's all over 70s music but then Flash forward to like shit that I love. 1986, he's still writing the theme song for a Friday the 13th movie. 1992, he's appearing in Wayne's World. Like, this is a dude who really like kept going, kept mm -hmm. doing his thing, kept himself in the public eye. And to bury the lead a little bit from all accounts, 
one of the sweetest men you could ever meet. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's like I already loved him so much. I um he disc jockeys a radio show at night. I think it's like Sunday nights and it's nights with Alice Cooper. And when I lived in Vegas, I would listen to it every Sunday when I was driving home from my show. And I was like, it's nights with Alice Cooper. And so I I listened to it religiously. And, and you just, you do, you feel like you're hanging out with the guy and you're just like, God, what a great, nice guy. Like, I really would love to just be his friend. He's one of those people, I always talk about like musicians who I would love to just sit and talk to. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say a contemporary of his, a modern contemporary of his would be like Rob Zombie falls in that yeah. same category where totally. I'm like, I think that conversationally, you know, some of their music I love, some of their music is not the best. Yeah, no. Like there's some bad Alice Cooper songs. Like I want to make it clear. The the sequel Welcome to My Nightmare with the number two has him rapping on a song that is like not great. Don't do but that, I think you could just sit and not not even talk about his music. Like I would just love to hear Alice Cooper's view on everybody's music because it's he just seems like that guy who would love that conversation. Yeah, which is why I mean he's such a great DJ on the show I was listening to because you really do go, God, he's like such. I think you know most musicians are high in music appreciation, duh. But his appreciation and knowledge for rock was so. Um, engrossing and endearing and and he really does that he would just be a great guy to sit around and have a coffee with because he's so yeah. in philly i know my brother would say up on sunday i guess sunday nights was the night that random radio stations would give rock stars like a block hour but we used to have a d snyder two hour mm, dj nerd. thing every sunday and he was another one where it's like the the knowledge of music within that guy's brain and just mm. how fascinating of a person he is d snyder was on a season of celebrity apprentice i still love that show before like Trump became <laughs> everything Trump. else. <laughs> so you kind of discussed, you know, like, oh, Alice Cooper's biggest hit, this, that. I just want to clarify that um, before Alice Cooper was solo Alice Cooper, it was actually a band. So yeah, Alice Cooper was born Vincent Fernier February 4th, 1948 in Detroit, Michigan. He had a lot of medical problems as a kid. He had frequent bouts of asthma. So he was recommended, or I guess the family was recommended to move to warmer climates. So I believe they did go to LA for a bit, but they ended up landing in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, In his high school yearbook, he said his ambition was to be a million record seller, which I thought was kind of fun. I love seeing people's high school yearbooks say stuff that then they did it. You know, it's I actually yeah, they made little, it happen. A little side note: I I'm throwing my yearbooks away today because um, I huge closet clear out, um, huge life clear out, and I read all of my yearbooks before I didn't. I took photos of everything everyone wrote, so I'll have that. But I just don't need like 800 pages of stuff I don't care about. Rant over, but someone wrote, "You and your circus dreams." haha I hope they come true because I didn't do any circus at that point and I read it and I was like holy shit I forgot that I had that aspiration when I was 16 and I did they did come true so I had that moment with myself and it was nice but so he's at high school and the Beatles Beatles go on the Ed Sullivan show in 1964 and this is really when his music career starts and that he takes an interest into music he said that the Beatles were the ultimate catalyst for me to try my own hand in music so he starts a almost like parody band with some friends that uh, were on cross country with him called the Earwigs. And they all wore Beatles wigs and they parodied Beatles songs and changed the lyrics. One is about like having to run more laps for your coach and what, you know, like just being yeah. high school stupid kids. 
but they kind of started to get some like high school stardom and you know did some some big things so they they decided to actually a few of them faked their instruments so they start learning how to play instruments and actually doing their own music and they changed their name to the spiders they start playing more high school dances and small local clubs and they got to a good point where they were like you know a little local band of stardom so they um they had a regional hit called don't blow your mind if you look at their pictures then though they look like such a late 60s every other band you know nothing of what we know of Alice Cooper today which is I do like seeing the kind of progression of people's image and vibe and and everything but even credit where credit's due though even the name the spiders like it's a little there's darker. a little bit of horror it's a Obviously, little bit it's of like horror the Beatles. There. they probably did yeah. it off of oh they're a bug let's be a bug but spiders yeah. are a little creepier and they're a little bit creepier. I mean, he did have songs like Black Widow. Like he, like there, there is like an element of like, all right, there's still a, a dash of that like shock rock, yeah. like horror influence in there. Which those of you who might not know what um, shock rock is, which Alice Cooper is considered the godfather of shock rock. It's a combo of heavy metal and rock with highly theatrical live performance emphasizing in shock value. So he literally is like, and like you said, Rob Zombie, they would be um, Marilyn Manson. Mar- they're, they're Marilyn Manson's huge. a big one. Yeah. I love it because it's such a theatrics and you know, I'm I'm a showgirl. I'm an entertainer. So it's like, give me some big problems costumes and and the drama and i'm so in for it and it's you know they there's almost this, a vaudeville aspect to yes his live yes shows. totally yeah. and it's they play they take on these personas of that's who they are in real life but i i kind of like deep in their eyes you can tell that it's an act i don't know maybe yeah. it's just one performer to the next but well, that's that's what makes that Wayne's World scene so brilliant, yes, right? Actually, like you see him on stage do, yeah like you see him on stage doing feed my frankenstein oh, and then you get what is uh, in its, really at its like. core probably th- what he's really like which, which is like is this intellectual be, yeah. smart dude yeah yeah really <laughs> down to earth and he's supposed to be you know and we'll get into his relationship with his wife and all that but um so anyways after the regional hit the band decides to take their their shot and move to LA they struggle like every other artist there but eventually get booked as the house band at the Cheetah Club and they do cross paths with you know the Doors Janis Joplin but before everyone's made it big it's kind of a cool place and what a cool time to be there um, they do change their name to the Naz, but musician Todd uh, Rundgren was already using that. So they then went into a brainstorming session of what should we name our band? And they come up with Alice Cooper as the band name. Now Alice Cooper says, the first name out of my mouth was a girl's name, Alice Cooper. By the end of the night, it kind of stuck. I conjured up an image of a little girl with a lollipop in one hand and a butcher knife in the other. And I love that kind of oh, deep, eerie, <laughs> you know. Eh. Well, I didn't even think about how much that has to to go back to the people that we're talking about, but that totally fits the format of, I mean, maybe not exactly Rob Zombie, but like, I'm not sure how much you know about Marilyn Manson, the band, but each one of the members, the naming concept is famous pinup model, first name, serial killer, second name. I actually did not fucking know that. Yeah. So like it's Marilyn Manson for like Charles Manson and Marilyn Monroe, Twiggy Ramirez, Madonna Wayne Gacy, Ginger Fish. (laughs) Like, like those were like all of the band member names. That's cool. I mean, it's (laughs) creepy and a little fucked up and sadistic, but it's cool. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I never even thought about that connection. Like, Oh yeah. Alice Cooper, like, fits that same sort of formatting yeah, of like it's female a name, name with, yeah. with a last name that feels kind of sinister there was a in a myth weird going way. Around, there was a myth going around for a while that like 
Alice Cooper was the name of a 13th century witch that got burned at the stake and that she came yeah. through a Ouija board to the band one night and told them, but they were like, nah. I love that shit. That's not what yeah. happened. Like, you know. It's- oh, I would have leaned into that for until I was 60 at least, oh, until yeah. I was 64. I'd, I'd be, be like, like nope, absolutely. witch came out of the Ouija board. Absolutely. <laughs> Which I just want to give a side note right now. I'm scratching my head. I'm rocking like crazy Alice Cooper hair right now, and I don't know. You really are. You got, you got some great Alice Cooper hair. I don't think it's a I- good thing, but it's fine. But they were influenced. Their their look was influenced by whatever happens to Baby Jane. Um, he really liked Betty yes. Davis's kind of caked over foundation and the dark makeup kind of dragging under her eyes. And and I was like, oh shit, yeah. And um, they also were really inspired by Jane Fonda's Barbarella. Love yeah. So that's kind of where their image comes from, or those those are their main inspiration. Um, Frank Zappa signs the band, and then they take on manager Shep Gordon, who stays with Cooper his whole career, I believe. Um, their There's first- a full documentary about Shep as well. Oh, yeah? Um, called, I want to say it was called Super Mensch. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it was actually produced by Mike Myers. Like the... Like the oh. um, but it, yeah, I, it I remember watching... Um, yeah. Super Mensch, The Legend of Shep Gordon. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a fascinating documentary about how he just like... Really, when he when he decided he was going to back a client, he really was a loyal, loyal manager <laughs> to like all these people. And wow, uh, Alice Cooper's predominantly in it. It's yeah, a great he went documentary. On, he represented um, just to name a few: Blondie, Luther Vandross, Ben Vereen, uh, Frankie Valley, Gypsy Kings, Groucho Marx. Kenny Loggins and Pink Floyd too. I, Pink he, Floyd, the Pointer yeah. Sisters, Rick James, um, to name. And a he kind of stuck with. I think it was like not only did he like manage a lot of these people, but most of them almost never walked away from his management because he was so. I, I think the whole point of the documentary is it's very rare in L.A. to find a manager that actually cares about his clients. Yeah, and on the level this, that Shemp did. <laughs> this is awesome. In 1993, Gordon created. Alive Culinary Resources, the first talent agency to represent chefs. And he took on, I mean, Wolfgang Puck, Celeste Drago. Um, actually, a lot of these are big uh, New Orleans chefs. But He took Emeril. He <laughs> the took Emeril. BAM guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Emeril Lagasse. Um, God, I'm hungry. Okay, um... <laughs> <laughs> we'll stop talking about food we'll I know I was like damn I'm like salivating um, okay so he, he takes on the band so their first two albums failed and then they go to their third album in 1971 Love It to Death becomes a hit it peaks at number 35 they follow that up with the album Killer that goes to number 21 and then in 1972, they come out with Schools Out, which to that point was their most successful album. Uh, the title track, Schools Out, which you all know. Schools Out for Summer. Well, and it is worth calling out because we did mention Lo- uh, Love It to Death. The big single that came off of that was I'm 18, which was, oh, yes, their, yes, first, that one was huge. their first song on the charts. Yeah. And what a, I mean, a fucking great. great song. Yeah. There's an interview when he's quoting and he it's just like a little clip and he goes, I love making parents mad and he's just such a like <laughs> fucking rock and roller those like, are the best dude the, again it's like the the people who piss off adults as their career it's like him john waters like there are these people that then you like 
see them in interviews and they are so nice They're and kind. They're almost just giggling and, about it. They're like, it's just yeah. a game at this point. I just want to see if I can yeah, it's do just it. Like, I, I think to a certain extent, they're like, it's just so easy. <laughs> like, I know. God, it really is. It's so fun. I think that's why I keep taking my clothes off on stage or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Banger of a song. like Yeah, so good. The and anthem really, of the last day of school for the rest of eternity. Like. Slowly, slowly, as they're coming out with these albums, though, too, they're coming into this more dark theatrical. It's not fully what we think of today, but it's it's kind of fun to watch the progression and, and you can see them push it and push it and yeah. push it. Good. Do, 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 do. So mm-hmm. that brings us to our 50 year anniversary, 1973 Billion Dollar Babies. This at this point is their best achievement. And the best achievement and the show is the biggest spectacle so they now create and produce this their tour and this show has snakes blood filled baby dolls and just kind of these over-the-top things and there was a is nightly, he decapitating himself yet there was a nightly execution of yeah. <laughs> alice with the guillotine so they would kill alice every night which i don't at this point he's not legally changed his name but um after that show, you know, they were exhausted from touring. It was huge, did did great. Um, no More Mr. Nice Guy is the big hit on that, which, what a great song. Yeah. They come out with the album Muscle of Love, and they kind of wanted to go back to basics and back to just the raw rock and roll and kind of take away the spectacle. Um, didn't do so well. It's not what the people want. Yeah, pe- they want you chopping off your head, and they that. want bleeding baby dolls. <laughs> like, you gave them that, you can't go back from it. So they... They the band- kind of... They, I was going to say, it's kind of... After Billion Dollar Babies, it's it's kind of the end of Alice Cooper, the band. It is. And they don't become prominent again until no. the solo years. The, yeah. Well, that's Alice Cooper, the band, yeah. takes a what they thought was a temporary hiatus and it becomes permanent. So that's the end of the band. That's when then Alice Cooper does legally change his name so that there's no problems with the band or this, that. And he now becomes Alice Cooper, the solo career. And what a first album nineteen seventy five welcome to my nightmare and Whew. what a great he, he he got to further develop his rock and roll villain persona on his own you know it's not like the band was holding him back but he really explores this um and the music video is really fun it's really cheesy he's just kind of standing on a bed and all these dancers it's like I, I like how much he really focuses on like you could tell he appreciates a good dancer and as they're jumping it kind of freezes but they're dressed in these you know a snake and a bat and it's so cheesy it's so cheesy but vincent price has a cameo in it and so you know he's the father of darkness and he's in it um it's a great song though i love it i was it's a great song uh, it's it's got that like i think about this a lot because a i always i can't separate the song from what i think is one of the best performances ever on the muppet show when he performs welcome to my nightmare oh yeah but also like you know, when I'm doing horror conventions, I try to bring like a nice eclectic soundtrack of music to play at our table. And Welcome to My Nightmare is always on that soundtrack. And that is just one of those songs where to get like a little music nerdy for a second, the way that song builds, like, and it's not like it builds into a rock and roll song at no. all. It's it's like, it's just this, it starts off with like a bass line and it's kind of slow. And then like, it's epic in scale. Like the horns kick in and it's like the last like so minute I, is awesome. I'm always like, creating. I'm like really not. I've performed in burlesque clubs, but I'm not a burlesque dancer or performer, but I always, it's like this part of me that I'm like, one day I just want to do one show. And 
I was listening to it and I was like, this would be such an epic. That's the burlesque song. That's the fucking burlesque. One. And by the end, dude, like a just... Halloween burlesque show with you doing "Welcome to My Nightmare." I, know. I kinda And do wanna... the Elvira thing where you've got the spider webs that like have Ooh, the. Ooh, that'd be cool. But it, you know, that's it's. I always kind of I like the ones where it's just kind of like fucking with the audience, or you know. And if you really yeah. either have one person and you're just making them miserable and embarrassed, it's night. Like it could be this dark, sadistic. Yeah. And I was like, and the way it builds with teasing someone and taking off clothes. I was like, oh, this is great. Um, that'll continue yeah, that to just song, live in my bathroom mirror for now. But And and God, like that that really, that song is, I, I think, when people are making their lists of the like 100 greatest songs in American history, I think that we don't give enough credit to how good of a song Welcome to My Nightmare is. Like that song should be in the greatest songs in American history conversation. It is an awesome song. I wonder if it is in any kind of like... I know, I did see that it was placed at number 10 on AOL Radio's 10 best Halloween songs. <laughs> AOL? <laughs> like American <laughs> Online? Yep. Uh, but so yeah, good. I mean, it's, the um, song mixes elements of disco, jazz, hard rock while still being funky. Yeah, <laughs> like, great. I mean, but that sums it up right this there. This also is where he takes you know, his, not only like I was saying, he goes into like his own persona and building it, but he took a huge risk with the tour of this show because he was already doing when they, when they did billion dollar babies, they went, you know, theatrical and the shock rock is already coming out, but he amped it up and took a huge financial risk, a huge, just everything risk with this tour. I mean, he had dancers, costumes, giant props, a cyclops illusion. He had a big interactive movie screen. It was, it was, even more than the billion dollar baby and it paid off. It did really well. It was highly successful and people loved it. I mean, I've seen video clips of it and I was like, I want to see that this is incredible. Like it's such yeah. a, it's a whole story. It's a whole, and I love that. And it's, you know, you have again, to think in 1976, show. like 1975, 1976, you know, you're getting big performances. You know what I mean? Like you're getting bands like Boston and Chicago and even Meatloaf. Like you're getting these people who are performers for sure and they're talented and they have all these hits. But, but man, like talk this. about someone who seems to be like really giving you like a, yeah, it's like a dinner and a movie. You know yeah. what I mean? Like <laughs> It's true. It's like, it's, and that's why it did so, so well. Um, and it's fun. Speaking of dancers, one of the dancers in his 1975 tour was Cheryl Goddard, and that became his wife. So he met his wife on that tour, and they are still married to this day. She toured with Which him until 82. <laughs> they got married uh, March 20th, 1976. She did file for a divorce in 1983, but reconciled and... Um, that is because he had an alcohol problem, which we'll dive in slowly. He was a functional yeah. alcoholic for most of his career. There's an interview when he's really young and the interviewer asks, like, do you have to be drunk to be Alice? And he goes, yeah, you have to be drunk to put up with Alice. And uh, <laughs> later he, he says, I denied it for an awful long time. I wasn't a cruel drunk. I wasn't a stupid drunk. I was just a drinker. And even his wife does say in an interview too, or she goes, I, I think if he was falling down or hitting me, we would have dealt with this a lot sooner. It's kind of like they just didn't even realize it. Yeah. And I've met people like it's, that. I've known people like that that just, they're not a, a problem, but you're like, oh shit, it's kind of a problem. And it did, by 1977, the drinking was highly affecting um, his performance, but highly affecting his health was the number one thing. So he did get checked in somewhere. He got sober and then like all good people do, relapsed. Um, he doesn't remember <laughs> much of his 80s recordings because he said he was just in this continuous alcohol fog. And then uh, 1983, he checks into a hospital. 
he got sober, recovered. He walked out saying it was weird. Like, I don't even remember being an alcoholic and I knew I would never be one again. And that's when, um, 83, you know, is when his wife filed for divorce, but he came, that's when he got clean, got sober and, and walks out and then it was good since. But he did say, you know, coming back from that and being Alice and the thought of going back on stage and performing sober was a very scary thing for him. Can I do it? And I think we've talked about it before, um, with Aerosmith, it came up that, you know, it's some of these musicians, it's like they heavily rely on the drugs and alcohol and they kind of can't do it without it. And their music isn't as yeah. good. But the ones that are deep down true musicians or artists or performers, they really can and they do. And and he does. He comes back 1986 with his ninth solo album, Constrictor. And it's his first tour in years. And he follows it up with some big, you know, 1989. He comes out with Trash, which has one of my favorite songs, Poison. Which is, I believe, his highest charting song ever. Is oh, I it's, love that song so much. It peaked at number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. It's the oh. highest charting song he's that ever had. That music video, too, is so good. Like, I just want to be a woman in an Alice Cooper music video so bad. Like, my goals are not that high. It's achievable. It's achievable. Like, uh, and also, uh, I made a slight reference to it. But yeah, in 19... 19- 86, he puts out Constrictor, which has, he's back, the man behind the mask, which is also the theme for Jason Lives, Friday the 13th, part six. It's a song about Jason Voorhees. So he's he's doing his thing. He's He's doing his thing, and he comes out with, um, yeah, I mean, just album after album. 1991, he drops Hey Stupid, which is has Feed My Frankenstein, and then, of course, they show a part of his tour in the Wayne's World movie, and that's how I was introduced to him as a kid. I always knew Alice Cooper from Wayne's World. And that was forever my favorite Alice Cooper song because that was the first one I ever knew. And I still do love it so much. I could sing it's, every word. It's it. got some pretty dumb lyrics when you look at it, He's but it a is psycho. a great song. I know. It's a great song. I, I just can't not love it. Of course, I I think Poison might, might be my number one. I don't know what it is. I just, I love that song so much. And I love the lyrics. I love the angst. And then it would be, you know, welcome to my nightmare and I probably schools out and then feed my Frankenstein. Those are going to be my top four, but I will tell you my number one favorite Alice Cooper song after the commercial break. Meanwhile, in New Jersey. So Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. Um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. Hi-o! From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. 
Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Kelsey, before we wrap up this Alice Cooper episode, I promised you that I would tell you my favorite Alice Cooper song. And it is, you are going to laugh, you're gonna call me an idiot, because once again... Once again, is Matt Kelly picking the ballad by uh, another wise rock and roll guy? You better believe he is. I remember buying the Muppet Show DVDs. Of course. And it starts. Of course it starts here. Uh, and there's a ballad that he performs in there, which was his second highest. For a while, it was his highest charting single until Poison, which was his ballad, You and Me. Um, mm. from the album Lace and Whiskey. I'm not sure if you're familiar no, I don't know with this one. song. It's So Lace and Whiskey was a concept album he did. The entire album is uh, that he's like a detective in a film noir movie. Oh, up my alley. Yeah, and You and Me is like the love ballad between him and the femme fatale, but it's like... You and me ain't no movie star. What we are is what we are. We share a bed's loving and TV. That's enough for a working man. What I am is what I am. Now tell you, baby. It is an absolutely beautiful song. I have played it for my parents, and I've been like, do you know who this is? And they're like, oh, I remember this song. Who is this? And I'm like, Alice Cooper. And they go, no. He has a very sensitive... So, and this is the album right after Welcome to My Nightmare. It's such a weird, like, right off of that to do, like, a love ballad. But uh, I remember the second I heard it in that episode of The Muppets, I was like, I fucking love this song. All right. It's prepped for me to listen to it when it's it's pulled up. Um, I do want to mention real quick how much of a golfer he is. He actually wrote a book called Golf Monster, um, which a lot of these quotes come from. But he started golfing in 1973. And then in 1983 is when he really got dedicated to the game, which it's no coincidence. It coincides with him getting sober. It really helped in his recovery from alcoholism. Um, he even said in 2007, he said, every guy I know from Lou Reed to Bob Dylan to Neil Young, they all play golf. It's because they were all drug users or alcoholics. And I think golf is so addictive that it's just like taking drugs. And he kind of <laughs> was like, I gave up one unhealthy addiction for the next. But then his wife is in an interview going, ah, this is a great addiction. It's much better. Like, yeah. So he golfs, like, I think it's at 36 holes every day. Which, that's insane. But that's good for not, him. like, I'm just not a golfer, but yeah. And so it's really cute. You see, you know, it's getting older. He's still got his long black hair. And then he's just in a like old white dude golf outfit. His polo is this. And it just, that's where you're like, oh, he, he seems like a real nice, nice go. But, um, and then in 2000, well, 2010, the band, got inducted to the hall of fame way overdue way late it was one of those bands yeah. that everyone's like seriously it took this long and then um in 2015 he's he joined the group the hollywood vampires with johnny depp and joe perry oh that's right yeah yeah it's kind of funsies <laughs> and they have special guests like i think paul mccartney uh performed with them one time and and they would they do stuff sometimes and then he also has a 
Oh, dear Lord, I didn't write this down. Why did I not do this? Um, he opened a music school for like kids, underprivileged kids or problem kids or something really cool. He's a great guy. But he's out there doing good stuff. He's, he's out a, there doing good stuff. He's a legitimate stuff. good guy. Yeah. yeah. And I think even the Hollywood vampires, um, they their proceeds go to something good. Nice. Uh, if, before we wrap up, I also want to go back to Shep Gordon real quick because I did catch Damn this. Damn it, I'm hungry. That, <laughs> that, uh, he, uh, he put out a book in September of 2016 that I kind of want to read called They Call Me Supermensch, The Backstage Pass to the Amazing World of Film, Food, and Rock and Roll. <laughs> um, so that would be uh, everybody... If you want us to one day do an episode about Shep Gordon and all of the cool things he's achieved, where can they let us know about that, Gelsey? They can let me know in my nightmare. Um, no, you can let us know on Instagram. You can find us at beforemytime underscore podcast or on Facebook. Just search before my time. We will come up right on our wall. DM them. Say hi. Say ho. Let us know if you'd like an episode on that. Let us know what your favorite Alice Cooper song is. Or if you have an idea for another episode that you're like, I can't believe you haven't talked about blank. Let me know. And maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Let's see. Also, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, only if you enjoyed yourself while listening to this, it would be greatly appreciated. I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in every week and listening and can't wait to bring you more random facts about random things that happened before my time. Ciao. In New Jersey. So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. hi from feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 